You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 154 with Rachel Pellegrino. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, everyone. I'm super excited to have Rachel on the show today. We are going to chat about how she started a faith-based publishing company and what made her even think of doing it. And I know that there's a lot of you guys, you're sitting there with a great idea, but maybe you're kind of afraid to take that step or you're thinking, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. And so I wanted to bring her on so that you could hear her journey so that you could be inspired and feel encouraged to take that step with whatever dream that you have and that passion inside of you. And you just may feel like I can't do it. Um, I also wanted to talk to her about finding good faith-based books, and also just encouraging our kids to read. You know, it's so easy to let our kids get on the Kindle or watch Netflix or do whatever, but it's so good to get books in our kiddos' hands, and not only any books, but really good quality books. So we talk about how to go about finding those, why she started her company, and I just hope you guys are truly inspired by this episode. Hey, you guys, have you heard the saying September is the new January? I actually heard that last year and I thought it was really interesting because I think that where it comes from is that with schools usually going back in September, it's after Labor Day, it kind of marks the end of the summer. Um, You kind of get a second chance to go after whatever your goals were for that year. And for me, 2019 was really about focusing on my health, losing weight, and my fitness. So if a lot of you guys have been following me, or if you know me in person, um, you know that I work out and you know that I've lost weight and it's just been a really important goal of mine and I'm still working at it. Um, I'm not quite there yet. And I talk about it in the intros of the podcast before the episodes, because I'm going to be doing a series. I think I decided I'm going to do it in December leading into January. And um, because I don't want to leave you in the dark, I want to take the time to talk about it on the intro. So if you don't have to lose weight, you don't need to lose weight, but you know somebody that is struggling, another mom that it's impacting her confidence and just impacting her whole life, please share this with her because that's how I felt. And I wanted to get back to my old self. And I know there's moms out there that are feeling that way. They're just kind of feeling schlumpy. They're not dressing the way that they used to. And, you know, they just feel like they give everything to their kids. And I'm here to say that let's use September to give back to ourselves. Like, let's find ourselves. And especially before we get into the holidays and we know it just gets so crazy. And as moms, we're thinking about how to make it so special for the kids and all that stuff. So let's take this time to really, you know, do something that will make a huge impact in our lives. And so if you want to know how I started my weight loss journey in January, You can check out episode 112 with Amanda Nybert. She goes over how her program works. It's a seven-week online program. And if you want to use my link, I would greatly appreciate it because what happens is I get a small commission when people use my link, which then helps me keep the show going. Um, That way I can keep bringing out amazing guests for you and providing awesome content every week. Also, something that other people don't do If you join her program and you want to ask me questions or you just kind of want to know like what I did and all that kind of stuff, I would be happy 
to answer them for you. If you're on my email list, shoot me an email. If you're not, then you can message me at Facebook or Amber under Amber Sandberg, and I would be happy to help you and kind of just walk you through my journey a little bit um, until I do the series in December. So I say, let's make September the new January. Let's get a fresh start. Let's finish this year out strong, especially before the holidays. I know that a lot of times it's easy to gain weight during the summer. And so let's get that weight off and get you back on track. So if you want, you can go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash lean 20 to uh, reserve your next spot. She normally does two sessions a month. And again, episode 112 is where you're going to find how she does the program and explaining all of it to you guys. And um, I just want to share this information until I do the series so that it's not leaving you in the dark. And you know, I don't want to hold all of this just to myself. I want to be able to help all of you moms. So let's go to the show. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. So I like to start off every show with a travel icebreaker. I'm a travel agent. So I like to ask my guests what their favorite vacation spot is and why. And this can be with or without kids. Oh my goodness. So if you were to ask me for me, any time of the year, I would say the beach. It doesn't really matter what beach, although I'm from Florida originally. Mm. So Um, anything on the Atlantic side is great, but I have to say that when it comes to going with my kiddos, uh, it's Walt Disney world, hands down. Um, it's just, we try to go like every other year or so. And as crazy as it is there, um, I grew up on Disney and it's changed dramatically since when I was a kid, but we, we just are Disney fans. And in terms of going to the amusement parks and what you get out of it and the memories that you make. And, um, and so really those kind of go hand in hand because there's a beach there. (laughs) So if I can go to a beach and put my feet in the sand and, and do all that, I'm a happy, happy camper. So yeah, we would do anything with the beach. We do Destin Mm -hmm. uh, about every other summer um, as a family. We take the grandparents and we go, but I'm just, I'm a sun girl. I, I want to be where the sun is. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, when you say the beach, when you're in Disney world, are you meaning Cocoa beach? Yes. Yeah. Um, my grandmother was there when I was growing up. And oh. so every summer we would go and visit, um, Cocoa and my parents actually met at NASA. So, wow. um, and Cape Canaveral. And so every summer we would drive out and we would stay for, you know, nice. a couple and wow. then grandmother would say, okay, kids, where do you want to go? And back then you had a lot of choices, SeaWorld, Busch Gardens, you know, Disney World, um, and all these things. We would always say, Disney World, we're going to go to Disney Aww. World. And so um, that was our special treat That's for the sweet. end of the summer. And so um, Coco just, we would go to Ron John's surf shop and we would go to the beaches there. And it was, I have great memories. Yeah. Fully. Now, speaking of Cape Canaveral, have you gone on a Disney cruise? You won. We have okay. been on one. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. that was a whole other world. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And um, we loved it. It's amazing. It. And nowadays, with all of the changes at the parks, I'm trying to talk my husband into going on another one. Yes. Uh, 2020. Because I'm like, 2021 okay. is when the 50th birthday anniversary time is. It's going to be even busier. And oh, I'm like, Let's yeah. Cruise. Let's just go play it on the boat. <laughs> I know. Disney so, Cruises is one of the best. And um, yeah. yeah, I did a whole episode on it and why it's worth it and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's truly amazing um, because if you want the Disney feeling, but you don't want to be completely stressed out 
with the parks. I feel like it's a good balance and it doesn't have that whole like frantic getting in the lines, fast pass yeah. feeling, you know, yeah. but, but you're still surrounded by Disney. And so you yeah. are, and you know, when you're at the parks, you're scrambling, especially with young kids. Yes. My daughter at the yep. time that we went, my daughter was five and she wanted all the princesses. And of course at the park, you can't nowadays with fast passes and I all that. It is a little more challenging. It and is. So on the, on the boat that we went on the dream, um, mm-hmm. dream. That's what I want. They mm-hmm. kind of all lined up. And yeah. you just went and they spent time talking to your child. And I just thought, oh my goodness, you I know, know. daughter still talks about that. And, and so, and then because, you know, as a parent, you get a little nervous about leaving your kid with strangers, yep. but she went it's into so their safe. area with yep. their, you know, risk management, and she wasn't ready to go when we went to pick her up. And yeah. I was just, I was like relieved. I mean, it's I know it's so great. I know enjoy it. So for me, I know it's almost cliche to say Disney, but in, there's so many things <laughs> that you get to enjoy yep. when you go. Yeah. That the tired feeling at the end of the day. Is so <laughs> yeah. <good. laughs> I love it. I love it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's get started. And how about you share a little bit more about yourself? So tell us what your name is, where you're from, how many kids you have, and then we'll jump into how you got to where you are today. Okay. Um, I'm Rachel Pellegrino. I am the owner and founder, um, well, owner, founder, and publisher of Little Lamb Books. And um, we have a small family. I have a daughter who is now eight uh, and in third grade. And I have a bonus son um, who is 15 and a sophomore in high school. And my husband and I have been married for 11 years. And I started Little Lamb Books really out of a journey of faith. Um, I had lost a pregnancy. And in 2015, I was really kind of struggling to know what to do with myself in that process of grief. And did I want to go back to teaching full time? Did I, what did I want to do? And I started taking some writing classes and business classes. And what emerged from that became the business plan for Little Lamb Books. And I was a teacher for 15 years, uh, English and journalism and those kinds of subjects. And so it kind of fit all together. And I just felt like the Lord was telling me, I have other ambitions for you. I have other things for you to do. And so we set out on this journey. We launched Little Lamb Books in September of 2015 and signed our first author a year later released our first book a year after that. And we now have 14 authors on our roster. We will celebrate our fourth birthday this year. And we do everything from elementary uh, picture books and early readers to chapter books and then middle grade and young adult novels. And so our goal is to produce entertaining, um, colorful, inspiring faith-based fiction for kids. And that just comes from my love of reading and my love of of literature, but also knowing as a parent that we all are looking for good books, clean books, fun books for our kids. But how awesome is it to also have that inspirational message of faith to encourage them to stand strong, to, you know, to be a light for Jesus, to um, not be afraid to share faith. And I think for me, that legacy that I'm passing on to my family and to other generations uh, was what the Lord was really kind of taking me on the journey to do. So um, we have 
five books. We just actually had a release this week of our newest book, Good Night Fireflies, uh, came out this week. And so we have five books in the market. And by the end of the year, we'll have another four. Um, and so we'll have about nine to 10 books this year total. And then next year, we'll be releasing another five to seven. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to the titles and, and what, how you recommend books for, you know, elementary chapter books and middle school and so on. Cause I do think that people struggle with that. Um, but I want to stay on your finding your path and your journey first. And I was going to, I was going to ask you about this because I really like to highlight these kind of things when I'm doing, um, the podcast because so many moms, I feel like have these ideas and, you know, they just don't know what to do with it, or they may be afraid to take that step, or they may not feel good enough. And so whenever a mom comes on, and they've talked about taking kind of a leap of faith and stuff like that, I like breaking it down a little bit so that the moms can hear how other moms did it, you know, and what they went through. So it kind of gives them some, you know, encouragement that they can do it themselves too. And Mm so I would imagine you probably had some fear at some point trying to go after this, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. When I first approached my husband, I was like, how do I explain to him that I don't want to go back to teaching full time? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you take that, you know, and change? Because it had been my life for 15 years. I taught before we met. I taught after we got married. And so that was a huge leap. But also because, pub- I mean, it's publishing. It's not... um And for me, it was not the same as setting up a t-shirt shop or, you know, going out and maybe starting a service type oriented business. Um, This is, it's an industry that is very steeped in tradition. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of capital up front. Um, And so when I first started putting this together, I really kind of thought I was a little nuts. Um, And I spent a lot of time in my prayer life saying, Lord, I'm not the right person for this. This is You've got somebody mixed up <laughs> because this is not, how am I supposed to do this? Mm. Um, but I do have a bit of an entrepreneurial mindset and it just wouldn't leave me alone. And so the more I mapped it out, I pushed myself to actually go out uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where I'm based. There are a couple different publishers of different genres and I reached out to them And I asked for, you know, just an hour of their time and was able to run my business plan by very different people in the industry and say, what do you think of this idea? Like, how would I really go about starting this? And what would make this work? And by doing that, in a lot of ways, it validated for me um, what the Lord was telling me, but at the same time, it also validated that I wasn't just making this up out of thin air, that this is a valid business plan. And I think as Christians, sometimes we get stuck and say, well, we're being called to something, but you know, I can't, I don't, the Lord will take care of the business side. And yes, he will, but you have to do your legwork. <laughs> you know, he, he wants you to actually do your research. And right. So I spent some time doing that, but I did have to overcome the fear of feeling insecure about my knowledge of the industry. And I had to really put my teacher brain to work and say, I'm going to research this. I'm going to know the lingo. I'm going to study. And I had to really go back to school <laughs> in, in a way because I had to figure out if I could really do this and do it the way that I felt was the right way. So um, 
there was a lot of challenges and there still is. I mean, we're going to be four this year, but we have grown almost too fast. And so Mm, we're still having to scale, you know, what we do and figure out how to maintain that. Oh yeah. uh, So yeah, I could imagine that. I've I've dealt with companies too that I can see that they're growing too fast and they don't have the infrastructure to really mm-hmm. handle it. And so, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh my gosh, it would be so great to grow so fast. But really, it is better to kind of pace yourself because then yeah. you'll get so overwhelmed and you could lose business because you don't have all those systems in place and, and whatnot. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think... Um, was the biggest challenge for you? Do you feel like it was that you had to learn this as like, if you had like, you had to go back to school. I'm just trying to think like if someone was listening to you, is that like a big piece of advice that you would give somebody that you almost have to treat it like you're going back to school to learn something if you feel that you don't have, you know, enough knowledge about that topic? I think you do need to know. I don't know that that's the biggest hurdle because when you're passionate about something, that's when you're the most excited and the most eager to learn. So I think that's a, it's a bigger piece of it. You want to know the ins and outs of it. If you're starting, let's say you decide that you're going to, you know, monogram something and that's going to be your business. You need to know what materials to work with. You need to know the best way to do the process, you know, in a quick amount of time to turn your product. So, I mean, there's definitely a learning curve, but I think really the biggest thing and the biggest challenge in any industry, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but it's the financing. Like, how are you going Mm -hmm. to pay for your business? Now, in my case, I had to take, I mean, we're talking about a huge leap of faith. I had 15 years of teacher retirement saved up. And when I sat down and and thought about this, you hear all those stories of people maxing out credit cards and they traded in this, that, and the other. And I went to my husband and said, I'm going to use my teacher retirement to start this company. And you, you know, could have heard a pin drop when that (laughs) happened. He's like, I'm sorry, you want to do what? Yeah. But you have to figure out how you're going to fund what you're doing because there is capital, whether that's renting a space, whether that's setting up your online portals, whether that's, you know, having enough product and materials, um, travel, I mean, all of those things. So I think a lot of times we go into business like this and we're so excited. And so learning is like come second nature, like, oh, I'm going to absorb this like a sponge. Mm-hmm. But then it's the nitty gritty details, the things we don't really want to spend time on, like money that can make or break your business. Yeah. And so we hear it so many times, most businesses, I don't remember what the percentage is, but most businesses go belly up within the first two years. And that was a statistic that I didn't want to have. <laughs> and so I, there are things that I wish I could go back and do differently. But I know that for me, that was, I had to fund it myself. I didn't want to go to a bank at first and say, yes, I need a loan. I wanted to say I did this and I used mine because I have faith in what I'm doing. But also if I lose, it's on me and yeah. not on somebody else. And right. so um, that was a really big thing, both for me and my husband, because we consider this a family business. And so he had to be behind me on this. It wasn't something that I necessarily had to ask his permission for, but it was something that was important to me that he supported it. And if he didn't support it, then we needed to sit down and figure out why. Right. Yeah. And my parents are retired and they're helping as well. So it really is a family business in that sense. Um, and so I think when you're starting out, you really need a, a really strong business plan. You really need to spend some time figuring out worst case scenario, not just best case scenario. Right. Yeah. 
before we move on to the next, you know, talking about the books and all that kind of stuff, um, let me ask you, because you were so transparent with how you got the money, which I'm grateful for you sharing that, because I do feel like a lot of people sit there thinking, well, how how are people doing it? You know, are they going into debt? Are they taking loans or are they taking from their retirement? So I appreciate you saying that. Now that you've done that, do you regret doing that or do you feel like that was the best plan for you? Oh, I don't have any regrets on that. No. Um, and I think it was the best plan because it gave me the freedom to use the money how maybe I wanted to, but also to invest it where I wanted to. Yeah. And I didn't really feel like I was limited at that point. Now, in in publishing, you have a lot of capital outlay up front. You're produ- as a traditional publisher, not a hybrid, not a self-publisher, you're you're taking on the contract of the author. And you're taking care of the illustrations and the putting of the book together and the printing and distribution and all of those different pieces that go into making a book that, you know, before I started this, I don't even think I ever thought about. So it is a lot of money up front. And so really, we had to sit down and say, okay, how much does it cost to put one book together? And there are differences between a picture book versus a novel. And so you really have to think about when you're financing your business, you really have to spend some time looking at, okay, this is one product and I can put all my money on this one product or I can spread it out and do multiple because this is where I'm going to cut costs or this is how I'm going to do this. And you have to think about who you're going to partner with and who Mm. you're going to contract with and who you're going to distribute through. Um, But I think ultimately for us, that was the best decision. And we've been fortunate in terms of just being able to continue the process going into our fourth year. But it is challenging because you also have to think about your return on investment. Like, what are you going to get back out of this? Exactly. Is it going to keep the lights on? You know, (laughs) is it going to pay the bills? And so um, I think we don't get enough. And I don't know that it's because there's not stuff out there because there is in webinars and podcasts and, you know, going to conferences and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times we forget those pieces. And it's very yeah. easy to feel overwhelmed and, and, and like it's a very daunting topic. But mm. we need to have that business mindset even within a Christian business because if anything, we should be held to that higher standard yeah. um, and be a good steward of what God gives us. And so you really do have to spend a lot of time working through that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that, those are really good points. Um, Okay, so let's jump into the books itself. So um, I'm curious, how do you go about finding great um, faith-based titles for the kids? And what would you recommend that parents look for? Because I think this can be so challenging that people just get overwhelmed. You know, you'll see it all the time. People post on Facebook or something, Instagram, um, what are good, you know, Christian books, faith-based books, but it can still be challenging to figure that out. So I'm curious, since you're so passionate about this, <laughs> what what advice would you give all of us moms that are trying to put good things into our kids' brains, right? That you can feel like <laughs> it's safe, whatever they're yeah. reading, you know? Uh-huh. Well, that okay. So there was a multiple question there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. that. <laughs> well, no, it's okay. The first, it's good. They're all good. I want to touch on all of it. The first one is, where do you go? Well, first of all, word of mouth is the strongest thing that we have right now in the mm-hmm. industry. And it doesn't matter what anybody says about, you know, marketing on social media or whatever. It's really, it's word of mouth. When you have a book that you're passionate about, you'll go out and tell everybody about it. So I think you do have to talk to your mom group and see, you know, 
what is everybody reading? We're all kind of, I don't know that we're, we're taught, but I mean, we, we just all stay in our lane with the classics, which are great and wonderful, but it can be challenging to find fresh Christian books, faith-based books that are clean and safe, but that are also entertaining. And part of the reason I started this company was I went looking for my daughter. She was starting, you know, kindergarten. And I was like, what am I going to have her read? And I loved all the classics and of course, Bible stories, but I was like, there's got to be a fancy Nancy out there for my daughter, you know, and we love fancy Nancy, but I wanted something that had a spiritual overtone as well. And so I started researching that. Now, I will tell you that I'm a a quiet pinner on Pinterest. Um, I would stay up at night and just kind of scan. And Pinterest is actually a really good place where you can type in, you know, Christian kids books and you get all these references. And um, I think it's a powerful tool in that as a parent, when you're trying to get extra information, uh, it's there. And I think that a lot of times it gets kind of shoved to the side because it's just, you know, it's like, oh, all the tabs and all the things. But it's actually a really good resource. And of course, your librarian should be a good resource. Um, My daughter goes to a Christian school and I go to her librarian all the time. But again, they're so used to staying in their lane as well. And Mm -hmm. so they don't always have a lot of different resources there either. And so I started just typing in different themes like... Christian books about fear. My daughter struggles a little with fear of storms. And so I started researching, what are some books out there that can cover that? And we didn't actually find any that were necessarily based on storms, but there was one, and I'm trying to remember, um, Leanne Mancini has a book in her um, series that dealt with fear. And then I also found another one in... um, Oh, Michael Kiefer, I think it is. M-I-K-A-L, Michael Kiefer. He um, had some books that were also about, I'm sorry, she had some books about fear. And they were picture books. And I was just like, oh, okay. And so I researched those. And I started building a catalog myself or my child to read. And I think that ultimately you have to you do, as parents, we don't always have the time to spend. So that's mm-hmm. why word of mouth is so important. Yep. But I think that when you start putting those all together, the other thing is, and again, this is something that maybe somebody that isn't in the industry would think about. But if you find a book that you like, look at who publishes it. Because oh. oftentimes you mm-hmm. can go to their website. And yeah. like I know, go to our website, all of our books are listed. And it has the synopsis there and you can read about what it's about and then decide if you want to buy it. And oftentimes there's even an online store on the publisher's website where you can just buy whatever you want there. Um, And so I think that we kind of have to be creative because there are really good Christian books out there for our kids. But we as parents have to decide how to kind of navigate that with them or for them. Right. Now I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And so maybe you (laughs) will know or you won't know. And we can put this on the show notes too, if you, and you can email me later. But do you have any good books for kiddos, you know, that are chapter books that come to your mind um, for elementary age? And then anything that stands out to you for middle school that you're just kind of like, oh, these are amazing. For middle school? And elementary. Like if you have chapter books that, um, that you just know like, oh, kids really love these books. Okay. Well, for a chapter book, it's actually an upper elementary book. We have okay. one. So okay. I have to tout it. It's Teeny Sweeney and the yeah. Mustache Cash. 
Ooh. And it's actually mm-hmm. book one in the series. Okay. Uh, the second book comes out this next spring. Mm. And Teeny Sweeney is kind of your your mischievous young lady. Um, she doesn't seek out trouble, but trouble seems to find her. Oh. And then she has to, she has to find a way to get around it. Love and it. so there's always this challenge of, do I do what I want to do? Or do I do what <laughs> no God wants me yeah, to do? I like it. We weave in some scripture, but it's um, almost like a very natural way of weaving it in so that it doesn't, you're not trying to bang people over the head. Kids don't want to be banged. <laughs> I mean, know. let's be real. Adults don't either. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's a really good one. Okay. Uh, let's see. If you're looking for, for girls, like mm-hmm. contemporary things, yeah. I know, and I'm sure people have heard of this, but the Hello Star by Winter and Elena Pitts, um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. they Hello did Star. that before Winter passed. Yeah. And it's there's a three book series and it's really good for that that preteen age and, mm-hmm. and early teens. That's a really good one. And then uh, let's see, S D Smith. Now I've met him um, at a homeschool convention and he has a series called it. The first book I believe is Green Ember. And honestly, I, he had a line out the door. It was amazing. Um, but there's I think four or five books in that series. And what's really cool about his series is that the main characters are animals, but they mm. have very human characteristics and the kids love it. They're like these extraordinary rabbits that are living these um, ordinary lives. And then they go on this adventure and mm. um, it's all based on the kingdoms and the the values of the Bible. Oh, and cool. Um, a loyalty and friendship. And it's a really good series. And like I said, I actually went and met him and purchased a couple books as well, because I was just enamored with how he wrote these books yeah. and what he was trying to have come across. And so those are really good series too. So there's a lot of them. There's another yeah. one actually that uh, is called The Secret of the Hidden Scrolls. Uh, now we oh, just, scrolls. Interesting. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. We just started that. And that's actually a really good adventure series. Okay. And they, these kids stumble across these ancient scrolls and find themselves witnessing the creation of the world. Oh. And so it's how, how do they, who do they root for? Do they root for the rhinos? You know, they get, <laughs> what are they, what are they doing as far as the animals go? And then meeting the angel Michael and, so I'm a big adventure mystery person, and I really enjoyed those kinds of books. Yeah, so that sounds cool. Like reading them with my kids too. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, I like that. So we're almost at the end of the show, but I wanted to ask you, what is your thoughts with having kids that just don't love to read? Do you have any recommendations on how to get them to love reading? And do you find that some kids just really gravitate toward it and then others just are kind of like, whatever, I don't even want to read. Yeah. I I mean, as a teacher, I saw that all the time. Mm. And then as a parent, I think it's quite funny that my daughter is not even close to being the reader I was as a kid. Um, She does like to read, but that's not her first choice. Like she's not going to go to a book shelf and pick up a book and automatically read. Like you're going to have to tell her, Hey, go have reading time. (laughs) So whereas I devoured them, I would do, I'd rather read than do anything when I was growing up as a kid. So I think as parents, you're definitely going to see that. And I Mm -hmm. think you don't want to force the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, my stepson, Anthony did the same thing. He didn't really, he was never really encouraged to read early on. And I started just giving him books for his birthday and for Christmas, mm. but I spent time 
researching the books, like what was it about the book that might intrigue him? So if let's say Mm. you have a son who's into soccer, yeah, they're very sports oriented. Um, start with a biography about Drew Brees or start with, um, you know, some form of nonfiction that has something that's going to interest them and be written in a fun way. Um, we enjoyed reading about, um, different types of topics. Like my, like I said, my daughter struggles a little with storms. Well, there's this really kind of classic series, the Franklin, the turtle series. It's not necessarily faith-based, but Chick-fil-A uses them in their kids meals. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. when I first saw one, I thought, Oh, it's just a toy, but there's actually a whole series of books. And so we, we found one where Franklin's afraid of the storm. And I think sometimes you have to look at what your kids' interests are and all of those things and find short books. Start short. Don't try to overwhelm them with like a huge novel because that's not going to necessarily work. And I think um, if you can do that and then give them time and let them see you read, you know, we're a technology generation, right? So now everything's on our phones. Right. But read a magazine, read a book. If your child is having reading time, sit down next to them and read something that's not a phone <laughs> or not right. a tablet yep. and allow them to see you kind of mimic that. But I think ultimately, if you can find books that are interesting and maybe your son or daughter is, let's say they're a fifth grader and they should be reading at a certain level, but they're struggling. Mm. Well, go ahead and give them a book that's, you know, maybe for the third grade level. Mm. Let them feel like they're successful. accomplishing yeah. and, mm-hmm. and being successful because then that they're going to feel like, oh, I want to read another one. Mm. And yeah. I'll tell you that thing that we did. My mom uh, bought my daughter or subscribed my daughter to Highlights Magazine. And I want to say up front, I'm not getting like any kind of payback. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you were. It's okay. These are the things that are working in our house. So, um, but she got my daughter highlights magazine, which I used to get as a kid and they have different, uh, age limits now for different, um, versions of the magazine. But what was fun was my daughter would get into these articles, right? And so she'd be reading it and I'd ask her to do something and she'd be like, mom, just a minute, let me finish this thing. And again, it was that feeling of accomplishment Mm. that, as she went from being a kindergartner to a first grader to a second grader, and she was learning these words that yeah. now make sense in the context of what she was reading. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we always hear in my last little note is read to your child. We, I cannot say I do this every night because I can't. I mean, we just don't. But <laughs> You're like, I'd be lying. <laughs> I'd be lying. I'm not going to do that because lightning will strike. But <laughs> I do fairly regularly, and mm. I would say probably two to three nights a week. We'll okay. sit with my daughter and mm-hmm. read to her from whatever book she's reading or another one that she picks for okay. me to read. Okay. And I don't, I'm not an actress, but I get into it. I oh. give everybody voices and I make it fun. And if there's sound words, like, you know, vroom, you know, I mean, yeah, right. we get you act it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because children want, I mean, that's almost, like speaking a love language mm. <laughs> for your child, especially if you're really busy and it's hard for you to step away from what you're doing to sit down and do that. But yeah. that shows them not only that you love them, but that this is important to you too. And yeah, I like that. you read and sound out words is so key to their development and allowing them to hear that coming from your mouth and not like just um, something on their Kindle or yeah. somebody 
you know. Um, and I think for us, that helped. That helped both of our children. We read to them and we spent some time picking books with them. And, you know, the library was our friend. So yes, yeah, uh, yep. it can be done. I don't think kids just suddenly decide I'm going to hate reading and not grow up to be a reader. I think right. we can help them. With yeah. That, so. Well, I'm glad you said that about reading to them because um, it's easy to stop doing as much, especially as they learn how to read themselves, you know, um, especially if you little kids that still need to be read to them because they can't read. So you kind of think, oh, they know how to read so they can read to themselves. And so that is a good reminder that it is good to read to them and, and it helps them to hear how things are pronounced and all that kind of stuff. So um, I appreciate all of those tidbits. They were really great. And I appreciate you coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. And everybody should go check out Little Lamb Books because we have tons of books. <laughs> for yes. all kinds of I say tons. We have, like I said, we have... <laughs> We have a little more than half a dozen, um, yep. but we we love that we have books for all ages. And so hopefully you'll find one that will work for you guys. Yes. And I'll put the link on the show notes so that everybody can go check it out. So thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Bye. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email, and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests' information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week. <laughs>